Are you ready to open your private practice this summer and make the leap into entrepreneurship? Introducing Make the Leap, our new offering by the Successful Nurse Coaches. Make the Leap is a four-month group coaching program that is designed to help you create your first paid client. Join our experienced lead coaches, Sean and Amy, as they guide you through the Successful Nurse Coach Method, helping you create your first paid client in 30 days or less. Not only will you get access to our course that teaches you all the things on how to create clients in a non-icky way, will also be personalized mentorship, weekly group calls, and actionable steps to launch your business from just beginning into the Paid Coach Club. Since we are not running new mentorship groups this summer, we didn't want to leave those of you who are ready to begin hanging out in space waiting for the next group to start. This group is a great way for new coaches who have yet to begin their coaching practice or for coaches who have five paid clients or less. This is the most affordable way to work with our team. So be sure to check out the link in the bio. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook. Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. On this podcast, Laura and Shelby, both board-certified nurse coaches, show you how to make as much money as you want in private practice as a nurse coach. Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. It's Laura here today, and I have a, a funny story about this episode. I actually sat down and recorded this amazing episode yesterday. And uh, today's title is Why Motivation Doesn't Matter. And when I sat down to record yesterday, I was not motivated. You know, like it was just one of those mornings where I would have preferred to be off work. I would have preferred to stay in bed extra long, maybe watch, catch up on some shows that I haven't been watching to not be productive, but that's not what my day dictated. And I had on my calendar that I needed to get a podcast episode recorded, a solo one. So I did this amazing like 37-minute podcast on why motivation doesn't matter. It was awesome. By the end of it, I was motivated. And you guys, I forgot to turn on my microphone. The whole thing was silent. (laughs) So God had me record a a 30-minute episode yesterday to be motivated for my entire day, which worked really, really well. And I think it's just so ironic because we're going to talk about the elusive nature of this thing that we call motivation and how not feeling motivated can feel like such a big problem when you're an entrepreneur and can feel like such a big problem in your first few years of practice. And then I'm going to talk about like my experience with motivation, my unhealthy relationship with motivation, and kind of where I've arrived now with some different frameworks in my own thought patterns that make it easier. And my hopes that uh, that this makes it easier for you in your practice. So entrepreneurs cannot rely on motivation because motivation is fleeting. It's unreliable. It's a feeling. Motivation is a feeling. We can't rely on a feeling to dictate whether or not we go to work. Uh, do you call in sick to your shifts at the hospital when you're not feeling motivated? Right? Like the world doesn't work in a way where we can only afford to move if we're motivated. Now, that doesn't mean that motivation, cultivating motivation isn't a wonderful skill to have. Record a podcast with no microphone. It works. I tested it out yesterday. 
um, because it feels better to do everything with motivation. So of course we want to have it, but it's not reliable. And if you're a woman listening to this, which most of our listeners at this point are women, there's certain times of the month you are not motivated, that I'm not motivated. It's very clear in my calendar, the, the weeks that I will probably not want to take on an, a crazy creative venture or some auspicious home project because I'm most likely going to want to chill. When we become self-employed, especially in the early days, we have this li- these lists of kind of cloudy things that we need to do that are shrouded in uncertainty and fear and fear of being seen and fear of failure and, and being new and feeling like you're not doing it right. And just that alone will crush motivation. Am I right? Like just that alone can sometimes suck the motivation right out of us. We find ourselves doing laundry or doing other things that at least if we do those things, we feel like we have a sense of accomplishment. So we're really going to peel back the layers of what motivation is, why we don't need to rely on it, and why it's not a problem if you don't have it all the time. All right, guys. So I want you to think about for you, what causes your motivation to wax and wane? There's biological components, whether or not you're exercising, whether or not you're sleeping, whether or not you are a slave to your own limiting beliefs and like negative self-talk. That's the crusher of all motivation, I think, for a lot of us. And and then there's external things too, family things, work things. There's things that, that take up bandwidth that can seem to suck motivation. And when we think about motivation for our coaching practice and motivation as an entrepreneur, I think it's really, really, really important to develop a relationship with your purpose and your why. I mean, we we hear this over and over again, but there's lots of days that if I came up to my office to work in my business and the only motivation was to make money, I would have quit a long time ago. That's not a, like money's not a big enough motivator for me to do what I do. There has to be a bigger purpose. Like there has to be something connected to humanity and easing suffering and creating a big impact. That's why no job I ever had in my entire life really fulfilled me for any long period of time. And I know that this is true because I talked to so many of you. So we have to slow down. We have to think about what our purpose is Because that sometimes is the only thing that's going to pull us through to keep taking action when there's zero motivation in our body. There's this split point of view in the coaching and entrepreneurial world that I want to share with you. And then I'll share which my point of view is, but that we are motivated in two ways. We're either pulled forward because there's something in the future that we want. Usually it has something to do with money, time, status, or peace. Uh, or purpose, or we are propelled forward because we're afraid. Fear of being not good enough, fear of not measuring up, fear of having to stay at our job, fear of what our husbands think or our partners think or our wives think, fear of what family and friends think. We're running from fear, running towards pleasure. And that's like the continuum of how human beings are in perpetual motion. We're wired to move. And we have these two places that movement comes from. Are we pushed from behind or are we pulled from the front towards something? 
Now, part of the self-development world, coaching world, entrepreneurial world is hell-bent on developing only motivation from the forward-facing things and not running from, but running towards. And I have fear still about certain things in my life. And I don't completely extinguish them intentionally because sometimes fear is a really great way for me to get moving. Fear of of having a subpar product. Like fear of not putting out into the world my absolute best a lot of times is what gets me in this office or to start a new project. Now I don't stay there and I don't create from that place, but I don't extinguish it. Like I don't keep focusing on it, try to make it go away because I like the nudge from behind. So we have this other school of thought in the self-development world that that is awareness around our fears and using our fears for us. I subscribe to that. Lots of people don't. So I think it's really a personal preference. It's not wrong or right. But I want to check in here and see when you think about your practice, when you have to take action, when there is no motivation, what propels you best? What's your best fuel that you have access to right now? Is it a little bit of fear or is it purpose or is it a mixture of both? Mixture of both is great. Might as well get pushed from behind and pulled from the front. Because those two things, if we can access them, does not rely on motivation. We have access to fuel at all times, regardless of how our body is feeling. We talk about long-term goals. Long-term goals take aggressive patience. It's like so much hard work, zero immediate gratification, and an insane faith of creating something that has never been created, that we have no evidence that will ever actually materialize. It's badass. It's badass to be able to take action consistently with no proof that it's going to work because we can't scan our past and find it. We don't know how it's going to work. We don't know when it's going to work. And we're aware that it takes time. And we have no motivation, but we show up anyway. That's the hallmark of a really successful entrepreneur. And you don't have to be that every day. There's just a period of time in the startup phase and in different phases in your life cycle of your business that this will be a reality and there's a choice you have to make. And it's in those moments for me where fear is useful to get started and then purpose and and being pulled from the front because of long-term goals and my desire to have impact in the world finishes the job. And I'm asking you guys here just to take a moment and think about that. If we make fear our ally with awareness and intention, is that helpful? I don't think it's helpful to, to be your, your default operating system, right? Reacting to fear your entire life. Um, but as we do this work, figuring out what works for you best. There's a, an author, Matt Higgins. I don't have his book in front of me here. And his book is Burn the Boats. And he talks about this. And he came from a a very poor family. Like his beginnings were really, really tough. And he talks about how he keeps that pain fresh. So he doesn't go in and heal the pain of his past completely. Because when he's speaking to crowds or he's mentoring people, that he pulls from that pain. Because that pain has a lot of power for him. And I really appreciated that. Like I really appreciated that as a form of fuel 
I have that as being an ex-drug addict, of going bankrupt, like there's uh, being a late bloomer, my poor parents. Uh, this, it didn't look good for Laura Menard for a while. I was Laura Murphy back then, but it wasn't like really wonderful. Like externally, it did not look good for me for many, many years. That was very painful, ego crushing, incredibly vulnerable, hopeless, depression like you can't believe. I don't want to heal all of that up. I have no regrets, by the way, but I want to be able to access the the potency of that period of time to be of service with others. That was a total tangent. Let's get back to motivation here. Let's get back to motivation not being a, a really big deal as something that is not necessary, of something that is a gift when it comes, and maybe we can create some ways to cultivate it, but there will be lots of days we don't innately have it. I think the next step as an entrepreneur is creating routine and habit. And this is why we talk about 75 hard in our course. Routine and habit for me has a masculine connotation to it. Like I think of like Jocko or Andy Frisella of uh, David Goggins. It's like, you know, don't let your bitch voice stop you. You got to make it happen. You got to grind. You got to hustle. You got to like that kind of energy. That's what I associate with routine and habit. Um, maybe you don't. Hopefully you don't. I don't think that that's necessarily the only way to have a relationship with routine and habit. But when I think about implementing a new routine or habit, I need to access some of that really masculine, no nonsense, no bullshit energy to get my, to get for me to get moving. That's my flavor that my body responds to the best. It appeals to the part of me that the ex-athlete, the, the part of me that, that loves the grind, that loves doing hard things, that um, can see the, the payoff over time. So routine and habit, a lot of times will be what pulls us through on days that we wake up with no motivation. Because once something's a routine or a habit, it doesn't take more energy. It's like in your operating system, right? We don't have to wake up each day and say, God, I got to get the motivation to brush my teeth. I have, I mean, I don't feel like it. I have to walk over to the bathroom. I have to open the toothpaste tube. Like, oh, I just hate the whole experience. The bathroom might be cold. Like we don't do that. It's like subconsciously, we just walk over and we brush our teeth. There are things like this in our business that can feel like the first part of that story. Like, I do not want to connect again. I do not want to get online and post, and I don't want to follow up, and I don't want to do outreach, and I don't want to do nurturing, and I all of it just feels so horrible. I don't have the energy. I'm going to do it another day. I don't have any motivation. Versus future you that has done that so many times that you wake up in the morning and it's Tuesday or Thursday and you put in an hour and you're done for the week and it feeds your entire business and you make thousands of dollars because of it. When that becomes a routine and a habit, it doesn't take extra energy. It takes extra energy to create the routine and the habit. So motivations required, yes, to create a routine and a habit, but pick one at a time because once they're set in, they don't require as much energy. You've like upgraded your operating system. It's just something that you do. Your body knows to do. Your mind knows to do. And it doesn't become hard. I love seeing this with you guys in mentorship when it's like at month seven or eight where you're starting to like enjoy selling and you're starting to enjoy connecting and it's just part of your business and it's not this big, huge thing you have to, to 
rev yourself up for. I love that. It's so great. It's so great. Um, does that mean that you're going to, every day is going to be easy? Hell no. But once you've developed some of these routines and habits, motivation becomes less imperative for the, the key points and actions in your business required for you to be coaching. Shelby and I talk about this a lot and it can seem harsh and, and I've had nasty emails. So I'm going to just trust that this is going to be taken with positive intent. You don't have a coaching practice if you're not coaching. Okay. You don't have a coaching practice if all your socials look great, if you're doing reels every day, but you're not coaching. You don't have a practice if your website's in, incredible, if your office is organized, if uh, your signature in Gmail is beautiful, but you're not coaching. Because a coaching practice is just that. It's the practice of the, the art of coaching. And whether you're doing it for free or for money, it doesn't matter, but you have to be coaching. And there are a few activities you must take regularly to make that a reality. And it requires motivation to get started to create that a routine and a habit. That's what we do our whole first year in business is we're working desperately to create a routine and habit through motivation, through teaching, through mentorship, borrowing the confidence of your coach, borrowing the confidence of your mentor, and starting these uh, the foundations for this amazing practice that you're going to cultivate over the next 10, 20 years. So it's not required to have motivation every day to be a successful entrepreneur. It is required to have some motivation to begin to start to create habits and routines that will carry you through. Here's some other words here that I, I'm, I associate with being more masculine. And again, I, I know some of you are going to hear these words and you have a different experience of them. And I'm just sharing mine. But the words discipline and consistency. So successful entrepreneurship often depends on discipline and consistency, the ability to work through challenges and crazy setbacks and long strings of no's and workshops that nobody shows up to and clients that are yeses that turn into no's and clients that are yeses that, that ghost you in the middle of their coaching contract and clients that don't show up to discovery calls or clients that reschedule all the time. Like this is the reality of a coaching practice. Those aren't like outliers. That's your actual reality that you're dealing with week to week. And the qualities that we possess is not that we need more motivation to get through it. It's the awareness that that's not a problem, that this you're working through 66% of your business being rejection, that you're becoming a master at not making rejection about you. You're becoming a master of your own thoughts in your mind, that your value and worth comes with, from within you, that you choose yourself over anybody else every single day because you realize you can't give anybody anything unless it's from a full cup. This is the work. And that's what discipline and consistency actually consist of, is this, this beautiful, feminine, transformative, incredible mastery of yourself, your thoughts, your emotions over time, which then lead to the more masculine outward appearance of a bitch that's got it all together, <laughs> that has discipline and consistency and just seems to be nailing it in life. I'm going to give you guys a, a story about uh, little Laura. When I was in my, uh, I'll give you a quick story about me in general, but I'm a highly sensitive person. 
extremely empathic. I scored very highly in intelligence, and I believe I was really low in emotional intelligence. So in school, they wanted to put me um, in like a, a gifted program where I would have been going through grades faster, but I would cry too much and want my mom. We get the point here. So like for me, it wasn't, I had a lot of things going for me, but this emotional, um, <laughs> emotional intelligence, emotional regulation is a challenge that I was, that I hadn't overcome. And that was a, com- continued to be a challenge right into my twenties. Not surprisingly, I found drugs and alcohol and partying and found it as a way to cope with some of these things, which then led to the not greatest period of time in my life with dating, not the greatest person who happened to be a drug dealer, um, with losing everything, um, kind of a fall from grace, homecoming princess turning into a drug addict, dating a drug dealer, uh, living in Southern California, having a crazy experience. And as I came out of that, when I came back home with my tail between my legs, thankfully, uh, the death of a friend was what got me sober. I never had to go to actual rehab. It was like a, a, a light bulb moment for me, which I'm so grateful for. So I'm off hard drugs, still drinking, partying kind of more normally. Um, but I had lost everything and I was driving a POS truck that didn't have power steering. It was so hard to turn, you guys. Like I remember it, it was like an act of, uh, of sheer strength to turn corners. I had bought it cash for like 1200 bucks. My friends from high school that I had started to come in contact with again, they all were moving in with their careers. They were making money. Some of them had their own apartments. Some of them were buying houses. And I was renting a room with a car with no power steering, and I couldn't get a bank account because my credit was so bad and I had gone bankrupt. It was such a low, awful moment for me. And the experience of me in between my own ears was awful and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And here was my thought process. I would go grocery shopping and I was in awe of normal people doing normal things because it was I was so depressed. It was an act of incredible will and all external circumstances lining up for me to do something like go to work and go grocery shopping. I know some of you hearing this are probably it's probably bringing you back to another moment in your life where there was something similar. I don't think this is a a rare human experience. I think a lot of us reach these these depths of depression and despair and um, the result of being so far off of our our soul's purpose path. And I remember thinking like the word discipline and motivation and routine and habit. It was so ridiculous to me because I was in survival mode in every area of my life. Right. Now, the opposite of that is this level of mastery where uh, you've got so many great routines and habits. You don't rely on motivation. You're happy most of the time. You're filled with hope and purpose. Like, Let's create the scale here. And when each one of you starts your practice, you're somewhere on this continuum. And it's different for all of you. And that's not um, wrong or right. It's like where you are on your particular life journey. And what entrepreneurship does when you're on this continuum is it amplifies wherever you are. It is an amplifier. This is why it's a healing modality. Because starting your own business amplifies wherever you are on that path. 
because you, you suddenly realize how important it is for you to get to that other side because there's, there's so much more difficulty that you're taking on regularly. A lot of times mentees at the end of our container will say, I, I, I realized I had so much more healing I had to do. And uh, I used to be worried about this as a, a business mentor, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have enrolled them. Like, did I not ask the right questions? Like, maybe they weren't ready. Maybe I should have known that. I stopped doing that completely because all of them always say, it's not what I expected it to be, but it's exactly what I needed to start to heal. I'm so grateful for starting my business because it highlighted exactly where I needed to go. So sometimes our first year is not about discipline and motivation to do all the things to get the external things. Sometimes it's just creating a relationship with a healthy relationship with um, motivation, discipline, consistency. I think the next thing I want to talk about here is, um, do you hear me talk about the masculine and the feminine? And as a holistic business coach, it's our responsibility as mentors, as business coaches, to be aware of where our client is operating. Because here's the thing. Um, I crave my coach giving it to me hard, right? Like giving it to me in a way of like right into my face. Like you say you want this, but you're doing this. Like that's so loving to me. A very masculine approach to coaching me. I react really well to that. I don't shut down. It gets underneath my cells. It opens things up in a way that a really feminine coach can't get to me. And this is highly skilled coaching to be able to do this in a loving way. And so in our groups of eight, sometimes uh, clients will say, well, how come you don't coach me like you coach her? Like, I want you to give it to me hard. I want you to be more masculine. I want you to act to like call me out. And it's like, well, because intuitively I know that's not what you need because your whole life is in between your ears, you're constantly berating yourself, creating self-flagellation about what you're not doing and that you need to do more. And that's not how we're going to heal is by your coach giving you more of that. Because for you, the more uncomfortable thing is the more feminine approach of getting in touch with what's underneath it all, of what you truly want to create, of living within your own rhythms, of giving yourself grace, grace without guilt. So what's great for one client is not great for another client. And when we talk about motivation for our clients, because most of them need to have some motivation to, that is required to begin the stages of change, to be in those stages of change where things can happen, being aware when we're coaching them, do we need to lean more towards the masculine or do we need to lean more towards the feminine? And if our coaching style is way more comfortable in the feminine, which is how we tend to come out of cert, how can we lean into the more masculine with permission? How can we seek permission to say something like, can I switch it up here and reflect back to you what I'm experiencing from a deep place of love? And if the client says yes, and saying something like, what I'm experiencing you as is that you consistently tell me you want something and you consistently don't act in your values or be your word. And so there's a lack of self-integrity. And I can tell that you can, you're experiencing the weight of that but we've been dancing around it for weeks. Mm. How loving is it for a coach to say something like that to the, the client, but it has to be the right time in the right way with permission. Because moments like that can unlock different levels of access to motivation that we just didn't have previous to that. 
One word I really like that has a really positive connotation to me is the word commitment. Uh, I'm a serial monogamist, so I love commitment. (laughs) I mean, I've never been one to date multiple men at one time. I like to be committed. So the word commitment, it it means safety. It means structure. It means um, uh, warmth. I love this word commitment. And discipline is closely linked to commitment. Uh, It involves a strong sense of dedication and determination to follow through on commitments. A lot of times our commitments and following through is very difficult to do because if we say we're committed to our health and yet our actions show that we aren't, there's a mismatch there and there's, there's pain associated with living in that way. There's this element of being our word. I want to be my word and I am, I have a long way to go, you guys. It is not my strongest suit. Uh, I'm so much better than I used to be. But I want to be really explicit with my language. I don't want to say I'm going to do anything that I'm not able to do. I don't like the way that that feels. I don't like that uh, sometimes I do it subconsciously, especially with my kids. If I tell my kids we're going to do something, I really want to make sure we do it, regardless of how I feel or external circumstances. I want to do that in my business. I want to do it with my health. I want to do with my husband. And so for you guys, I want you to check in here and just give me a sense of what the word commitment means to you and where do you feel it in your body? And can the word commitment be a lot bigger than the word motivation? (laughs) The visual I'm getting right now is um, you know, the, the lesser or greater than sign that you use in math, it's like commitment just has to be greater than motivation at all times. Like if we can maintain that, I think that we get set up to go into the right direction. If we can maintain that without beating ourselves up, without wondering why we're not more motivated with like the self-flagellation, the, um, negative self-talk that you should be fat, you should be further along, you should be this, you should be this, because that doesn't help at all. But to just consistently live where our commitment is greater than our motivation, I think we set ourselves up for a really good trajectory. Now, here's the rub. I've talked about this on other podcasts before, and I'm going to reiterate it here because sometimes it takes a few times of hearing something to make it our own, for it to sink in, and for us to be able to use it in a way that's really generative in our lives. But when I'm trying to make a decision on what the next right move, like the next right decision is in my life. And as an entrepreneur, let's just, I'm going to say this last Monday as an example. Um, I have a commitment with my coach that says, if I, if I am tired and I can rest, I should. Period. That's a commitment. At this stage of my life, if I am tired and I can rest, I should. Last Monday turned into that kind of a day. And I had two and a half hours and a lot of plans to do to work in my business. Now I'm a, an Enneagram, I think three achiever. So my go-to dopamine is to achieve and to do and to check things off the, the to-do list like so many of you perfectionists and type A's out there. Uh, it was the heroic act for me to rest. It was the heroic act for me to take two and a half hours, set my alarm, lay down on my bed and rest because it was a commitment that I made to my coach. 
And that was a decision that I made for myself out of love, love for my word, love for my commitment to myself and love for myself. It was really easy to make that decision because of a framework I set up with my coach. The shadow side of that is for some of you, you haven't developed this internal system yet. And so you'll have an opportunity that you have two hours and you plan on working on your business, but you're exhausted. And then you have this this, uh, mental masturbation session about what you should do. And oh my God, am I in resistance and I should be doing this. And oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. And now I feel so overwhelmed by all these thoughts that I'm just going to rest. And then there's guilt for rest. And then you beat yourself up. And then your self-concept starts to be, uh, I am. I don't consistently work on my business like everybody else. I'm not like everybody else, blah, blah, blah. So let's go back to the beginning of that scenario when you're at your own choice point. You have two hours like I did. You're tired. But yet you made a commitment that you wanted to work in your business. If you sit and get quiet, don't get all spun up into the, the head. Come down into the heart, into the body. Take just two or three deep breaths and ask yourself, what is the most loving thing I can do for myself right now? A lot of times it'll say, the most loving thing you can do, Laura, is to work on your business like you said, to honor your commitment. And sometimes your inner voice will say, the most loving thing you can do is go lay down. You're exhausted. There's plenty of time for this. You have another pocket of time later in the week. You're going to be so much better if you're rested then. And you make that decision out of love, not fear. You don't go work on your business because of fear that you're going to disappoint everybody or fear that you're not good enough. And we make decisions from a place of love and it'll always steer you in the right direction. And really the job we have as human beings is just figuring out what that internal guidance is, sitting with it, hearing it, and then following through. Um, that's kind of how I make decisions based on love for myself and commitment to what I say is important to me. And that shifts all the time. I hope I just demystified motivation because it feels like, oh, I also want to be a motivational speaker one, like at one point I was like, yeah, the world would just be better if there was more motivation. Cause at the time I thought that it's something that you could get and then hang on to, <laughs> And I could help people with that because I had none for so long. Um, but it's it's fleeting. And there's other things like commitment and um, consistency and discipline. They're like these, these routines and habits, like those are the things that are going to carry us through when motivation wanes. All right, guys, we're at 35 minutes. Today was a st- stream of consciousness from Laura's brain. It was very not structured. So I hope it made some sense. I hope it landed. I hope there was some takeaway. And of course, as always, I'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or insights from this podcast. Um, We are doing a free workshop at the end of December and I don't have it pulled up in front of me. Just check it out in our Facebook group. It is our holistic goal setting workshop. Shelby does this every single year. This is our fourth year, I think, doing it, third or fourth year doing it. And we've had lots of people come every year. And this is where they sit down in community with other nurse coaches and make their goals for the year. And this is holistic goals. This is, uh, we're not going to just make those motivated goals. We're going to make those spiritual goals. We're going to make the goals about having fun, 
goals about our relationships and goals about our health and goals about our business and goals about finance and travel and all the things. We're going to put it all together. This year, we usually charge a pretty penny for this to create some commitment. This year, we are offering it for free. We're just guided to, to give this to as many of you as possible. Power in numbers, come together, hang out, make some goals. We've had so many people tell us that they had their goals on the, their wall all year long and that so many of them had come true. Shelby's included, mine included. Um, so if you believe in manifestation, this is a, a fabulous free way to commit to manifesting what you want in 2024. All right, guys, I love you. Come visit us in the Facebook group. I think we've got 11 spots open for January as of today. We'll probably begin opening March spots uh, towards the end of December, early January. Come hang out with us. The mentorship is the best tool for the job for all 99% of you. If you know you want to create a private practice, you want to learn how to make money, you want all the things, that's what we've been developing for three and a half years is how to, to, to give this to you the easiest way that we can to hold your hand through this incredible journey of entrepreneurship. All right, team. See you later.